Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 1st of March 2020. I hope everyone's hanging in there <laughs> throughout these crazy times because we truly are going through amazing times really and the chaos that's being promulgated across the whole planet is quite something to live through when you realise you're living through history and you've been you've been living through the the preludes to this particular history for many years through different articles that have popped out here and there and all the rest of it on coming plagues and pandemics and all that kind of thing. And at the same time you've watched God knows how many movies on pandemics and plagues and viruses and I think one of the first ones, one of the first ones that became a big hit, if it had plenty before it, mind you, was one that Dustin Hoffman was in years ago. And then a whole bunch of them jumped on the, the bandwagon and helped to terrify everybody into being very, very, very afraid of things. And then, of course, on top of that, you have other kind of releases amongst the, amongst the news articles. You get releases on occasionally... Uh, it's getting less now because the, uh, it's so tightened up for for quite a few years now, the whole new system. But you used to get releases of interesting stories, in fact, on government agencies and wartime modes and, and uh, post-wartime modes working in bio-warfare fields. Big business in a big area too. And I don't think there's a country out there, a nation out there that's not... Testing out different kinds of uh, kinds of diabolical things to destroy, mainly the human population. Although they also had ways to destroy the domestic animal population for farming, that is, and long-term warfare agendas. All published stuff and declassified stuff, most a lot of it, and a lot of it uh, more recent, in fact. By again, they would sneak out into the newspapers about different countries even going further with with ethnically designed bio warfare kind of viruses, etc. And it really does stop me. You stop and say, "Wait a minute! You know, something's really wrong with us all here. Where we allow this kind of thing to to go on." I think we all grew up. At least my generation grew up with the idea that there was a kind of right and wrong even in warfare. Naive to an extent too, because warfare is, is vicious. The whole point of warfare, physical warfare, is to kill enemy. And the enemy is whoever, those who control your regime, otherwise your government, same thing, uh, want it to be. And governments don't serve the people. Personally, I don't think they really ever have served the people for an awful long time. I learned the hard way again growing up and looking at things and wanting something to believe in naturally and only to realise that most of what they were giving you as history uh, was bogus, really. Back then, in fact, in nations like, like, like Britain, UK, you had this idea that we're all, we're all really the same, we're the same people and all that, which is a great thing if you want them all to rally together for war. And Britain depended upon war for centuries, in fact, that this strange entity, let's call it an entity called Britain, they depended on, on war for conquering nations and taking, they civilised them, you understand. I mean, they didn't want a profit or anything. But really, a, a clique in London, this oddball London system in the city of London, with its big square mile of banks and all that, really dominated a good part of the world for one long time, one period of long time. And, and 
they had their big obelisk there too, you know, from, brought from Egypt, their version of Cleopatra's type needle, the one in France as well, the, the one in Rome too. Uh, those who rule the world set them up as a, a very old, old form of power. And most folk don't even figure out what they are. They really they have a hard time figuring out what it is. But that's where the power is. It's, it's, a, it's a type of phallic symbol which comes out of the earth, and you're born of the earth. A, a very old, <clears throat> well, how will I put it, system that governs the world. And you get different stories in different nations and histories about the same story, really, of a kind of an Adamic figure who really, his job is to plough the earth, to work for, for a dominant group above him. And Adam, of course, was from the earth, but yet the phallic symbol is also those who, who control the earth. And, and the idea of where you see it on the earth, you don't realize it's meant to come from the earth, going up, pointing upwards in defiance of the godhood. That's what it is. Well, that's a whole long story, and it's easy to talk through it, but what you're seeing is, is a very own system, as I say, that, that controls all nations. All nations are controlled, and all nations are, have people in it, in every generation, who are susceptible to be bought over and to work for it, very, getting, and get handsomely paid and rewarded for it. Uh, that's the truth of it. And, and uh, we know some of the organizations, there are quite a few of them, and the most commonly known ones I've said before from their own records is the Council on Foreign Relations for America and Canada. And they have branches across the world too, including Pacific Rim Group. But they all belong to the big parent company, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that used to be <laughs> really a secretive society. So much so that Winston Churchill came out in a speech in Parliament. He was so fed up with an organization that was running what he called the, the, the British Empire of his day, uh, bringing war by, by setting up the, the process for having a war, uh, like the one they had in South Africa, for instance, where they goaded uh, the people, they attacked the Boers in South Africa, this group that went in with the Rhodes, the Rhodes group as well, Cecil Rhodes was part of it too, and the Rhodes group, the ones that he employed, they, they, they were really, att they attacked the Boers, to get the war going, and then they had a reporter with them who immediately, it was a woman who immediately uh, wrote the story up that was pre-planned, and I think she probably pre-wrote it, of how the, the British settler was being attacked and so on. And that's that, that justified getting troops in. It was all pre-arranged. You must, you must always appear to have the semblance of right on your side. We did nothing wrong, etc., uh, and because the, 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 the first casualty of any war is truth, as you know, and it's generally the, the, the truth is to their own people. At one time growing up, you, you had a semblance, of, you know, you didn't know at the time, but a semblance of a kind of fakery of a system that kind of bound you together. The real culture of the people uh, was, was the people themselves. That was the real culture, not the one they gave you from, from the top down. It was the, the, the real culture from, from the, the general population that helped each other in times of crisis before there was a welfare system or unemployment system, you know, un unemployment money and compensation and so on. You didn't have that kind of thing. And people really did have to 
after World War Two. Um, and they had it all through World War Two, but they helped each other out, the ordinary people. They still have their petty differences and, and they're a bit of uh, uh, criticising of each other. Yeah, that's human nature, you know. But when it comes to the sharp, people would bind together and help each other in basic ways to pay even the rent. And most folk in Britain really didn't own their homes in this great Britain. And uh, they lived hand to mouth. That was really the way it was. But the thing is, there was still a sense of right and wrong which came from the culture itself. But today, it's it's all been thrown overboard, in fact. And the culture and the people have been condemned, I think, to, to go the way the dodo bird. That's my personal opinion, by watching it. Uh, and watching it across Europe, too. And uh, and, and I've got, I've, then it's verified, too, by, by speeches given by very important and wealthy people. Uh, giving the same thing out, that, that that's the way they want it to be. We're, we're always run by a dominant minority, which makes a sad, sad statement on the past again, because there's always been a dominant minority, uh, as Aldous Huxley mentioned, and he should know, because he he was on the, the fringes of the higher group. Uh, he was definitely a scientist, or a, he belonged to a scientific uh, group, that served the masters, the dominant minority above him. But he, he also knew that you, you always give a kind of fake, a fake past and a history to the general public. So they'll grow up thinking that they're good people and everything they've ever done uh, across the world was always for the better, the, the greater good, as they say. That, that's it. I don't think Britain is an exception in, in this kind of thing. It's the same, it's always been the same. There's always been empires. And there's always been the same people who run the empires, for those who don't know that. Empires are started off with money. It takes a lot of money to get even a fleet of wooden ships together to have a navy, uh, to go off and do some piracy, etc. But it took money to do all that. So you need money, people. And the folk who know how to create money, the magicians, if you like. And then they have to be rewarded, those who give it money, by, by more and more money coming back into their coffers. And then the whole thing just takes off and you create an empire across the world where Britain at one time too, I think it was even shown, you don't see in many movies, but it was even shown in, in a good movie called The Thug Eye. There's a, there's a brotherhood in India of crooks and criminals, thieves, but they were a real brotherhood with their own passwords and all the rest of it, and they worked together to plunder the wealthy. Uh, but in the in the movie version, uh, they do show you that the commissioners who were sent out from Britain to different parts of India would work with their with the Indian counterparts who were really part of the nobility, and, and who'd always lived off the taxes of the people. And Britain had done the same, of course, really, or those who ruled Britain, and so they had a, a, a pact with uh, with India that they'd all they both together rather than fight each other, they would both just keep taxing the general population with goods and, and uh, trading and all the rest of it. That's how it's, it was done. And they called India the jewel in the crown. But as I say, don't look at Britain as being any worse than anybody else because when you see today what's happened, I mean, India's expanding, <laughs> for those who don't know it. India's or, or ordered uh, submarines, I think nuclear submarines, one six of them, I think, apparently. I don't know if they're all nuclear, but some of them are. 
And Trump, of course, is out there selling uh, more and more jets and other equipment to them as well. But India also has its bio labs, like every other country. And there are no good people in the world when it comes to a system of money and power. Psychopaths always, always, always rise to the top in in such a system. Psychopaths can rationalize any kind of cruelty and any kind of misery they cause. It's always because it was justified, it's for the greater good, etc., etc. And as they plunder nations and, and leave them burned out and dry or in famine or whatever it happens to be, they can always somehow try and rationalize it to themselves. As I say, unfortunately, so many people are willing to help them, and people from the, the general culture at the bottom classes too uh, are willing to help them. The, the British Army had no problem recruiting people in the, the, say the early, from World War I onwards, basically. They had so many unemployed, always. They always keep a good amount of unemployed for the military. And young guys go off, never, never dreaming what I've been talking about tonight, that perhaps your, your governments and the system that really runs the system, behind the system, is nefarious and nasty. And, uh, you know, it, it, they would never join up otherwise. They really think they're somehow they're on the right, right side of whatever, and they're doing the right kind of thing. I think that's really how, how it works. And... And sometimes, of course, in the military, you do have. The Cold War is a good example. Everybody had seen how, how totalitarian the Soviet system was and the mass slaughter it had uh, to wipe out a whole class of people and intelligentsia, too, that Trotsky boasted about, and other ones in the, in the government boasted about. And they replaced it with their own intelligentsia, you might say. Well... Everybody saw that, and the, and the, the, the horrors that were inflicted upon people, the incredible uh, managed famines, they, they caused famines, and they managed the famines. And the Soviet Union was even selling a lot of the, the, the wheat and the corn and so on from Ukraine, the breadbasket at the time, uh, as the people in Ukraine were starving to death. And a horrible thing, millions of them, over seven million, I think six, seven million of them died. And there's lots of even footage of uh, the, the horrors that were caused there by the Soviet system. The Soviet system always, or communism always, uh, has to destroy the farming community. It's interesting that I could go much deeper into why the farming community is hated by the groups at the top of such a system. That's another story again. But anyway, in the Cold War, the military and uh, in, in the, the West, the ordinary guys in the military really felt they were all doing the right things and so on because it was so obvious to them. They didn't have an awful lot at home either. And by the way, the Soviet system, because it was, it was so obvious it's totalitarian and it's all burned by sort of bureaucracies and, and very, there was no humor in it at all. That's how it was always portrayed to the West. It was rather evident that Britain was letting up a bit and giving a little bit more rights and freedoms and cash a little bit even to the to the lower classes and so in the middle classes for the first time. So that was one good thing that came out of it, because you have to keep the punters at home, as they say, happy as well, you see. You can't point on the enemies. Look at bad there when you're doing the same thing yourself and you keep them in poverty. And so that's why the, for the first time, eventually, and not a lot of money either, but it's enough to, to, to be a bit better, fed perhaps, and uh, like in a better, living in better rental accommodation than the, the, the dumps you had before. 
as I say, people served happily into the military because of the guys that you're doing the right thing and you're protecting your nations and so on. But once the Cold War ended, a whole different scenario took place where where literally, and I knew it too, I saw all the, the documentation for future wars to do with uh, special forces and they would deploy these, not the old special forces either because old special forces still had a lot more morality involved. The new special forces would be more um, a very atheistic type who literally would serve their paymaster, more psychopathic, if you like, and they were giving the test for it too. They would be the rapid deployment forces that would be set across the world in uh, wars that were never declared, you see. They've been doing that way ever since. Lots of the other ones too, from these particular types of forces, become mercenaries. We saw that with Iraq and, and Blackwater and other companies too. They were involved in supplying troops and mercenaries. Some of them were dressed up like characters from movies with the guns strapped on both legs and all the rest of it and, and uh, 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 basically a menagerie, you might say, of, of different types of uh, exotic, almost semi-mythical Hollywood characters, like even cartoon characters in some of them. All, all dressed to kill, basically. And they were given a free hand to do that to an extent. The really horrible things that happened that will never be forgotten by a, a certain segments in the West, put it that way. So what I'm saying is that the, 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 the past is something else. We're kept naive. And, and it's not so bad, not so bad to be kept naive if, if they got enough to back it up to you. Like, like you're living in a good country. You have, you have rights, and we are looking after the country. That's another thing, too. I think the people who went through the Cold Wars were absolutely... Uh, if you had the foulest concoction ever to dump on the public after it, I think that was done, and it's still been done, to be honest with you. And ordinary folks certainly were not empire builders by any means. They had been devastated for, with two world wars and then the Korean War, and other wars as well on the go. And the Boer War before the, the First World War. Uh, continuous wars, really, as we're setting up the, this, this, this thing called the, the Empire. And the public were left with the bills for all. We paid for all. The money went to people who owned the city of London and they owned the banks. That's where the money went. They got all the money from the resources and everything else that came out of it. The people are always so. So governments are awfully handy for for passing on the, the tabs for, for the private enterprise sector and and handing it on to the general public. The bill, for maintaining it and building it all and policing it all and and using the military and so on. That's the reality of life. But there are no exceptions here. I can remember, some of the horrors and there were some horrors done, no doubt about it, uh, by the empire system. Kitchener, Lord Kitchener was the main troubleshooter. When any trouble started up in any country that they were ruling, they sent for him, and he was ruthless with the old martial law plan, you know, and I think it was one out of every, I can't remember, one out of every five people in lineups to be distantly pulled out in a village or town and shot immediately, no trial, and that was it. And that's how it was done. Uh, if the troops themselves rebelled, that would be the same thing for them, one out of every, I think, uh, maybe five, I don't know, can't remember. But there was a book on, on that, on uh, what he would do under martial law. And that's how they kept order. 
by terrifying the public with death, you see. If you can't win the hearts over of people that you want to be subservient to you, then you simply terrify them. Very simple methods. And these are still used today, even by our own governments, terrifying us, you see. After 9-11, the whole 9-11 deal, I I will never go along with uh, what they talk about, the, the, the causes of it, never, ever. You can accept one or two screw-ups in anything. You might get away with, that pl- with a plausibility factor of, of a small margin. But when you have supposedly one, two, three, four, five screw-ups all at once of well-rehearsed scenarios to deal with events, but they happen anyway. No, yeah, you can't let that go. You can't, you can't, you can't, folks, you know. Sorry. But, but the first thing they did, as I've said this before, with 9-11, was come out and, and the man in the street interview, you know, the typical ones they pick and they'll only show you on the little newsreels and TV and so on, uh, the ones that, that said the things they want them to say. Like, would you give up your, your freedoms and your rights for security and safety? That, that was the question asked, you see. Television and in newspapers... All the same, like, this, why is this sudden, what's so suddenly, why did it all have to go around? This wasn't just in one country, this is across the board. Planned, orchestrated, of course, of course it was. Then they come back, with, well, the majority of people, yeah, well, you know, we might give up some personal freedom and rights for, for security and safety, you see. And that, that's how you get the people just to go along with it initially, under a war mode, and you think, well, maybe it's going to be temporary. It's as temporary as your wartime. Temporary tax, the tax, the war tax, which is still with us today. The world is ruled. You have to understand it is ruled. The rulership and the way the rulership views the present time and the, the future, which they're going to continue to rule, is vastly different than how you're taught, as if you're a peasant in your own country, uh, to, to behave and what to think. It's vastly, vastly different. You must be kept naive. Uh, you must believe in the, the myth you know, the foundation myths that they give some countries. And if you do that, you're a good citizen. If you ask questions, you're a nuisance. Well, 9-11, as I say, was a kickoff for that. Until, yes, wherever you go now, you're going to get ID'd, you're going to have your eyes, irises scanned. Uh, I can remember the basic stuff. It's, uh, and again, Homeland Security came into being, you know, Homeland Security with incredible powers. And folks still sing songs about being the land of the free and home of the brave and so on, you know. Isn't it amazing how you can adapt and adapt? As I said, if you have the same songs sung and the same flags waving, you still think in the same system. You don't realize it's not. It's not the, the system uses the symbols to keep you under hypnosis. But you're, it's a completely different system completely different than the people who lived in the times before that happened. And with the next part of crisis, you see, again, fear, if you can't keep the people, the peasant, if you can't win their love of the peasantry, if you, even in a, if you're in a, an empire building stage, then you must terrify them, like Kitchener did. Kitchener's record, with all of his medals and everything else, that probably weighed down one side of his chest, were enormous, massive awards and so on for what he did. And yet to keep his record under under lock and key for a hundred years for the Fisher Secrets Act because 
of how he really was and what he did to earn those medals. Think about it. And that's just terrify the people. Nothing really has changed. And I said before, if you want to plan change, and this is what we're living through is plan change, with the timetables to implement different parts of the big agenda. Even the agenda for the 21st century is 100 years, with many things to be implemented during that 100 years. The climate thing is part of it too, and the 2030 and all. It's all part of the same thing, and the things that must be accomplished. And the people who go along with it, really, and, and have most say in it all, are all paid to do so. If you really think that everybody suddenly is going crazy to save the world and the climate, that, that yeah, definitely a lot of youngsters being brainwashed through schooling to be almost an army. A kind of Orwellian army. I mean, animal farm army, where they got all these slogans. These pr- That's all they do is they spout slogans. They don't know how to speak with rage and fury and, and hate. And it's all been really pushed and festered into them very carefully and they'll be a ruthless army but they're not the bosses of it uh, they're, they're ready they're just almost nihilists to say they're nihilistic types and that's the danger in all of this because nihilism ends up creating slaughters in history as we well know from past experiences now with the plague and all the rest of it happening or the coronavirus or COVID-19 as you want to call it you have this part of it, the, the, the terror part. You see, more terror. Uh, obviously, it's, 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 it'll have a better effect than 9-11 had. Don't forget, 9-11 was a Pearl Harbor event, supposedly, according to the guys who, who published the articles before it, who ended up in the government when it happened. That's what they needed. Was, they needed a Pearl Harbor event to get the public on board with it. But it was pretty small when you think about it. One place in a whole massive nation was attacked. A few thousand of folk were killed, absolutely, immediately. And others as well, I'm sure, even the present day with asbestosis, the massive clouds of asbestos going across the the city in New York. But you think about it, the whole world pretty well was changed because of that, that one thing, that one place being attacked. And every country in, in the, the, the five eyes, as they call it, jumped right into it, right? Like they're all waiting, boof, to jump right into it. And, uh, and it had the same agendas. Oh, so your, your passengers must be screened too. Uh, everybody going through the airport, and airports had to buy these. Uh, it's great business, the, the weapons industry, because they also own these scanners and things too, and X-ray machines that you get X-rayed with at the airports. Until folk again adapt and adapt and adapt. Well, you know, they can see me naked basically through these scanners, but it's all for the greater good, you know. And on and on and on. And then they still come up with the same, you live in the best country in the world. And they sing songs about being free and all that. And this one, with a virus, something so tiny. And this is the beauty of it too, in a macabre way. It's designed to be a, a, a quiet killer. You can't fend it off with a cricket bat or something or a tennis racket. It's such a tiny thing. That's why it's so successful, really. A lot of people are completely unable, completely unable to imagine how lethal it is and how efficiently lethal this thing is. This is very efficient, this thing. And there's a whole bunch of uh, 
exposés come out, of course, from all countries, including China, on the makeup of this thing with the different parts of different viruses that seem to be of kind of managed to come together with a little help and to be awfully lethal, and even tricking certain cells in your body and to, to, to turn on and off different enzymes to make it more uh, susceptible to take over uh, in its loading dose, basically, and be successful. So here you have something so tiny. We don't even have the, the towers coming down to, 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 with, with, with psychic driving or repetition, boom, boom, over and over. For days and days and days, the same things over and over and over, till everybody got the message and had night nightmares about it. With with the virus idea, you're just given the well, you're given all the stuff from China, silent streets. You're seeing the the, the horrific um, beatings of some people who've gone on the street without face masks on, things like that. But it's almost like a movie. It's it's like a disaster movie. That the, the streets are empty in some places, just empty. Sometimes. A martial law scenario, basically. Everything comes to a stop. And that's, again, a form of, of driving it home. So the West had pictures of that repetition again uh, from really um, the last couple of months now. And now they'll start implementing uh, the strategies to deal with it here and elsewhere too. Now that you've had enough psychic driving, you see, and terror, to get through to, the, to even the simplest of us, the idea that there's something lethal stalking around and you can't fight it yourself. So the authorities go into action, just like 9-11. And, but, the, but these are the specialists you know, that will deal with it, etc., etc. And the message, of course, is be very, very afraid because... I've noticed that in China, when it came out in China initially, and it really was out there early on, I'm sure even when Bloomberg, no, I'm sure even when when Bill Gates was putting out his desktop model scenario of, of, a, of a coronavirus killing millions of people uh, back uh, last year, about the same time, maybe at the end of that month, I'm sure that this coronavirus was already making its way. In reality, but we see the same scenarios where we had denial in China, put a good face on it, or it could be just like a common flu. Most folk get it, it'll be a little sniffle, and so on. And and now we're getting the same nonsense of herd management, pacify the simpletons, that's the people, and keep them happy. We're getting the same stuff unleashed here from the rule book. This is what you do. Tell them the li- these lies first, you see, and, and keep them happy and working and all the rest of it and keep the economy going. And then if it gets worse, you'll deal, deal with that as it happens. You, you'll have areas uh, around big intakes or, or big numbers appearing of the flu in, in certain areas. In the maps, they call it spotted areas or spotty areas. And you'll have the military doing quarantines and maybe even checkpoints and things like that too. China did the same rule book as we are doing today. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. And they're unrolling it in Canada and the States and elsewhere. The U.S. military at least has their military magazines and they publish the, the fact that they're mobilizing for all. And in Canada, you're still going through ministries. Ministries, that's where Orwell loved his, his ministries of truth and ministry of information. And everything in our free society goes through, goes through a ministry of information. 
So you're, you're dependent on that for any news at all. But I th- I'm sure myself and many other folk have noticed it too. The rule books for especially viral pandemics and epidemics are, are very clear that you protect the healthy. You protect the healthy by not introducing into you, your population the possible infected subjects and uh, to keep the healthy ones clear. If you don't do that, you're negligent, beyond negligent. You know, you, you, it's actually, you should be treasonous, I think, to be honest with you. We, we watched every rule in the book. We watched every rule in the book being thrown out the window with flights still coming and going back and forth, back and forth, and the whole thing. Even though they kept telling us it's, it's a new coronavirus and we don't know how it will behave because of that, therefore it's potentially very lethal. That's the first rule, you see. You, you go by until you find otherwise. But we haven't found otherwise so far, you see. And rather than, than little sniffy noses and so on, uh, it, it's hitting. We know it's hitting certain populations worse than others. It's hitting males worse than females. And it's hitting the elderly pretty nasty, really rotten. And the young people, too, who've had it from China, as I've said last week, uh, said that, that uh, they thought they were dying. Not just with the lung filling up with fluid and crushing the alveolar tissue so you can't get the, the exchange of oxygen. But the, the joint pains and everything, terrible joint pains amongst the fever to the experience. Uh, it was not like a, a little sniffle at all. Some might... And here's the other thing too. I think people don't really realize this. I was going through, like many people I'm sure, all the different records you can find on, on public health for the West. And a lot of the Western countries, including Canada and States, I think, don't put you down as dying from the flu if you die from a pneumonia caused by the flu. You see what I'm saying? Everything's almost legalistic, the way that they, they, they put it down in the records. I can remember, too, the H1N1 virus. Because of the cost of testing people, eventually they said, and I, I was on the air doing talks every day about this kind of stuff, at the time, and I remember it quite well. That where they eventually, it was the, the, the CDC for the states and uh, and the Department of Health for Canada just told doctors to, to to put everybody who came in as a as probable as a probable flu case, even if it was a cold they had, and and that's where they, how they got their statistics from. Really, in the states in Canada, they've got these probables. You see, probable ones. The probables could also be a different kind. The only confirmed ones that are, are getting confirmed uh, are by using the tests, and very few get the test, you say. So it tells you there's an awful lot of more of this, this flu probably out there too, way more than they're telling you. I'm not, I'm not saying this to terrify people, it's just common sense. And some places they haven't tested at all yet amongst their populations. So, uh, yeah, you can't go by what they're telling you at all. When they say that now they're finding cases that they can't trace to people coming into the country, carrying it with them, and passing it on, um, but people are inside your own countries are spontaneously getting it, and well, that, that would tell you that it's all through your society already, obviously. So the ones at the top are making hay out of this, and they will make, continue to make hay, because it's, I think it's the second stage, as I've said before, into the new uh, ordered society. 
where you can't go on like before. They bring and they're already already bringing in the climate into this all climate control and climate uh, catastrophe and so and again overpopulation is a big one with the ones at the top too. Um, remember that the, I think it was Prince Philip and all of his different well wildlife programs and so on or organisations he was head of in the Sierra Club. But the whole thing was about too many people, folks. If you haven't fig- ever figured that out. Hiding behind the, 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 the sustainability thing for animals and so on. And they grabbed the best land across Africa, the best farming land, uh, for those who don't quite have never caught on to that. And Philip was quite open about the needed culling of big parts of the population. He spoke about it openly and got his knuckles wrapped when he talked in front of the camera about it sometimes. But he's not the only one. And if he were an animal, he'd come back as a virus and kill the people and so on. That was one of his books. It was ghostwritten for him, I'm sure. But you got to understand, these are the people at the top that the guys like uh, Julian Huxley served. And Julian was the transhumanist, you know. Transhumanist meaning the proper specialist. These super people would be godlike and they would be presented to you like the, the hidden masters of theosophy almost that would come forward at the right time. And, and they would be made into superstars by the big machinery, the star-making machinery, and they'd be businessmen and so on. But you'd see them as somehow intelligent stars and you'd obey them. And the CFR said in their own, own magazines a few years ago, it's time for the philanthropists to come forward and help take their place in governance, meaning rulership of the world. What amazing times we're living through. Most folk don't know it. But it will be interesting to see how far this thing goes. I spent a few days actually going through old articles and declassified biowarfare uh, uh, books and so on. But nothing's really changed in it. Uh, you never tell the public the truth. Biowarfare is meant to be used on public without the public being aware that this is ha- happening to it. also meant, too, how could you even release chemicals into foods and waters and God knows what else in target populations. Uh, it isn't just a matter of releasing bacteria and viruses. And this kind of thing goes on all the time, and people are oblivious to it. People can't believe it because it's difficult to believe there are people so horrible and evil in this world. But unfortunately, that's the truth of it. Yet there are no champions here amongst the, 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 for the people. Really, I don't, I don't, don't believe there are. There, there's no organizations out there, left versus right, and take your pig. And so they're all the same at the top. They're all serving the same masters, folks. Same agendas. They sign the same agreements, regardless of who's in the house of governance. And they update the same agenda and sign on to it again for the next phase, the next phase, for it's climate or whatever it happens to be, or, or global uh, sustainability, etc., etc. All the way to rationing. And isn't it interesting, too, if there's in China, they've got rationing going on in different, different parts. You actually see the, uh, these creatures that rule over us too, some of them in the big foundations rubbing their hands uh, and salivating almost at the, at the thought of having that, this kind of power that they've lusted for, for so long. Eh? But as I say, just like 9-11, you, you can't keep tripping over uh, stupid mistakes one after the other, after the other, after the other, after, and you keep believing it. To reading the, the laws on protecting domestic populations. And one mistake, after we just didn't realize, oh, and don't forget in a week how many people can trap us across the planet all over the place and back and forth on holidays and all the rest of it too. 
Never mind months. And it's not finished yet. So, so of course that it's meant to. It has to be meant to happen. Of course it is. I just don't fall for this this screwing up idea anymore. No, there's no way. No way at all. You know, the sciences are so advanced for making these lethal things. They really are. And this is not conspiracy theory. This is stuff they've published themselves. And articles, newspapers, old ones in Britain too. Like the Port and Down ones, where they talked about what they did for the... The, 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 the journalist was allowed in for a British newspaper. And he sat there having breakfast with them. And all at how casually they talked about their work. That literally, if they wanted, they could wipe out the planet as if more efficiently than atomic bombs would do. This was an everyday conversation there, the stuff that they made. And they're one of them. As I say, and the emerging nations, as soon as they start getting money coming in, they've got their scientists involved in the same stuff as well. Across the world, it's the same thing. And it's, it's, there, there's your dilemma, there's your paradox about having freedoms and rights and all the rest of it. Where literally those who rule the world wanted, now they have it, they didn't have to do it with uh, physical people meeting you or anything, but they wanted to have everyone diagnosed and under total observation 24 hours per day, seven days a week. And then there were World War Two. I gave talks on it at the Psychiatrist Association in Britain and elsewhere, wanted the right to vet everybody in the country and vet anybody who would have any power over the, the, the people. And so they would become the ones who would decide who would get into government. In fact, they wanted to govern themselves, believing they were the only sane people who do so. That's what they believed. And there's tyranny for you, from the tyranny of guys who, who drilled holes in folks' heads if they wouldn't comply eventually. Nothing's changed, except now they're using the scientific groups through the internet and the ethernet and your smartphones and everyone's got their daily data put in their own profiles and, and their folders and their eyes in the sky and all the rest of it. They even know the percentage of people who can't be fooled all the time, like, but most folk can be, partly because you have to acquiesce to be fooled. It's like voting. You all know it's a con job. So you have to participate in your own delusion by voting. Oh, well, oh, well, I know, but I'll vote anyway. Yeah. And that gives them legal authority. This world's run on legalisms for those who don't really quite get it. It's incredibly legalistic. Not moralistic, but legalistic. But as I say, there are no good countries when it comes to this. They're all involved. Uh, it was interesting that India was, was the first country that a group in India, who must have probably been involved in, in, in some biolab somewhere, who came out with the study of this thing, and meant just mentioned the makeup of it uh, had had certain little traits taken from AIDS, for instance, and so on. Uh, it's quite interesting, which tells you that, that India is, is coming up and up and up, and there's a lot of money going its way now with the free trade deals and so on. Uh, you already have a, a, a well-educated class, which they had before, but now they have a scientifically educated class with the money to back up their projects. And as they go, and don't forget, <laughs> they're sitting across the, the mountains uh, from Pakistan and they're constantly shooting each other's planes down and using artillery with each other. Well, there are no good players. You have psychopaths in every nation, every culture getting to the top.
So we have a problem. We have the paradox, as I say, where the psychiatrists want to do with us all, where they, being so superior to us all, of course, naturally, would decide who would rule and all the rest of it, and how to rule. And yet you're left with that, the other side of it too, where you're in a world of psychopaths. See, there are no good guys here, including the guys who want to take control and manage the psychopaths. <laughs> There's no good guys in it at all. I don't think we really can figure that out enough to... You see faces all the time on low-level managers. You know, There's different degrees of management in government. And there's financial awards for them all and all kinds of freebies and privileges they get on top of it. And every country's got the same, same, same system exactly on the go. What is interesting too, and it's causing a lot of tongues to wag naturally, this sudden uh, antipathy towards China being, being a, a superpower, pretty well, going into superpower status. After the West, the rulers, don't forget, it's the rulers, not, not you people you're voting for, the rulers who decided to have free trade with China and build them up to be the powerhouse that they are today. They didn't do it themselves. They didn't even have the money or the know-how. We trained their, their students for 40 years across the West to be engineers and designers and so on, to go back to China. But they didn't even have the, the factories at the time. to, to, to. And we gave them the factories with the free trade agreement with the Gatry and so on. And we even paid private corporations, thousands of them, to move to China. Our tax money paid for them to move. And now you're supposed to believe that suddenly uh, the West says, oh my God, it says we're frightened of China. We, who's kidding who? Now remember what I've just been talking about here. You build up the countries. And for a while now, uh, the US and other, other Western countries, because they're all owned by the same, the same masters, you might say, have been hammering at China because China is expanding the rim around their, their nation and the ocean by basically adding to natural islands, even creating some false ones or fake ones altogether and putting little bases on them and so on. But again, they're surrounded by U.S. bases primarily in the China Sea. However, it's not enough, you see. They've been hammering on about coming war with China. I think John Pilger even did a documentary on that. It's quite a good documentary. And others, too, have talked about it, and lots of uh, articles, newspapers. However, here's another thing, too. You've got to go back to old Kissinger as well, talking about depopulation, and he put out a, a kind of memorandum or a kind of bill in the U.S. for depopulation years and years and years ago. Think about all these things. You build up the enemies. You've already depopulated back home quite a bit across Europe there, because people were awfully good. They didn't have many children. They were doing what they were told, and now they're told that there's just not enough of them to pay off their debts, so you've got to bring in mass migration. In other words, there's a lot of excuses for mass migration and so on. And that's what they really are. And then you get the wars in the Middle East again, and Syria is still getting hammered. It's had proxy warriors and mercenaries put out by the West for years. And when they go out, they've brought in Turkey that's a member of NATO. Uh, pretending that they've got nothing to do with it in the West. It's their affair. No, it's NATO, and they're doing, they're doing it instead of the proxy warriors that have been thrown out by the Russians and Syria. And here's, here's Turkey talking about invading cities. Well, an invasion is an invasion. The first invasions with proxy warriors was still an invasion into another country without declaring a war upon them. And this, we've been living through this kind of scenario since the, the, the Desert Storm. You've had 30 years wars going on in the Middle East, taking out countries for different reasons, and folk pretty well know why, some of them. 
never mind the plunder that's involved in it too. However, here's China, right? The coronavirus comes along and fingers all point to each other as, as that's what's meant to do in silent weapons for quiet wars. Because there's always plausible deniability on all sides, you see. It hits China first. It's more prone to, t- to hit uh, uh, East Asian people, uh, Chinese people, because of the kind of protein that they have in the lung. It's more profuse. It binds to, in fact. So they get hit really hard. And it also hits, where else, with the, tra- with the traveling back and forth, Korea, and North Korea as well, which is an enemy as well, be taken out. All, all mentioned by the same peanut group years ago. And then you have Iran, this, the never-stopping war against Iran. And bingo, uh, you see the same one or a slightly different strain hits Iran as well. Uh, awfully coincidental. As I say, the, the, these guys that can predict a Pearl Harbor event for 9-11 before it happened, they, they needed something like that to happen, uh, just get what they want. And, and here you have it, the bingo again, the scratch and win. They hit it right again. This thing is hitting primarily the ones on the list to be taken down a peg or two and to have regime changes, etc. It's all coincidental, as they say, and to be called a, a paranoid schitz or, a, or, or a, a conspiracy theorist if you mention the fact that I'm talking about but this could be caused as part. And don't forget the peanut group, by the way, back in the 90s, and you can look up for yourself on, on the list of things they, they wanted to do and which they did. Uh, they, they put forward a bill to enable themselves to put down bio-warfare as a viable uh, weapon that could be used by them in the future if need, if need be. Think about that. That's, that. You can check it out for yourself. And then you have this one here, eh? Harvard professor sounds alarm on likely coronavirus pandemic. 47% of the world could be infected this year. And this guy is not an idiot. He's, a, he's a up there with biochemistry and, and biology and so on. And this is his profession. Uh, so he's a professor, Mark Lipsitch, he's called, an article in the Wall Street Journal. But he talks about this. It could hit 40 to 70% of the world, and it could be infected this year, right? And then I, I did a little bit of searching. Here he is giving a lecture to students at Harvard. You remember, too, that uh, Dr. Boyle was a law, I think he's a law doctor, who came out with a treaty for pandemics and about warfare, a treaty to stop them making these new, <laughs> these new diseases, which they do at these labs. And, of course, everyone who's looked upon them has heard his talks. But it, it verifies him to what he said, because here's Lipsitch saying the same thing. He said, a lecture to students who are going into this profession, right? Should we be making potential pandemic pathogens in the lab? potential pandemic pathogens in the lab. And he goes through it in the talk, what is a natural, a natural outbreak of some, of some disease compared to the, the lab-created ones. And the lab ones, too, have no known varieties before them. It's, it's pretty unique and so on. He goes through the different, and it doesn't occur in nature as such, or it hasn't yet, sort of thing. But that's what they do. They, they take a, something in nature, generally, they add to it and splice things together and create a new type. That's what they do under the guise, under the guise that, well, this, that something in the past that we've, or that we've had before, like the Spanish flu, might just come back again. We're ready to fight it this time. And then they'll get it and tweak it in case it would then jump, you see, and, and do all these varieties that would make, come out of it. We'll, we'll have all these varieties by making it happen, even making them more lethal in case it ever happened. And this, this is biowarfare. That's what this is, bio-warfare. This is what you do in bio-warfare. 
always under the guise of what if it jumped, let's be ready for it. So we'll make it jump to show that it can be done, and we'll wait and see if it does it itself. It, what, a, what a lot of nonsense, eh? That's what they do all the time. So I'll put a link for that up too, to that talk that you gave. Again, back to the same thing, didn't it? It's all connected, you understand? All connected that you have this article, Taiwanese professor says Wuhan coronavirus likely man-made. A National Taiwan University professor. He goes into it in some details to why, what, what occurs in nature, what doesn't occur in nature. And he talks about these, these little inserts that are put onto them, these four inserts, of course, that literally make this thing <laughs> purpose-made for what it's doing today. Never mind all the massive preparations to deal with the fallout, which is really a martial law-type systems across the world, if, if it continues, etc., if it continues. But the authorities are, are just chomping at the bit to go into action, I think. Yeah. And then, again, it fall in line again with the big, there's too many of all of you type idea, right? They said that in the last climate change, uh, there's just too many people and the fewer children, if, if we can get authority to eventually forbid people to have children, etc., 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 and manage who couldn't, who couldn't have children, then uh, it would it would be less carbon and less less uh, more sustainable for the planet and so on. So you're the problem, right? Wuhan coronavirus could cause male infertility. The Chinese study comes out. It says uh, Fan Kaben, urologist at Nanjing Medical University affiliated to Suzhou Hospital, February 12, posted the results of a scientific research project which found the disease not only damages the lungs but also the kidneys and testes potentially leading to male infertility. The team summarized the clinical data of three previous studies, which included six patients, 41 patients, and then 99 patients, respectively. They found that the kidney dysfunction occurs in 3 to 10% of novel coronavirus infections, COVID-19. In addition, acute kidney damage happens in 7% of the patients, but, and it affects the male urinary tract and reproductive system. They had a, an online data set to analyze the expression of the angiotensin-converting enzyme, that's what they call the ACE2. And it says the receptor which the virus uses as its host, it tricks it to allow, allow itself to come into your body. Actually, what, what an amazing system, eh? How this has been uh, <coughs> just uh, developed itself in nature, right? But uh, it says that as its host, SARS is known to use ACE2 to enter and infect human cells, and COVID-19 appears to be using the same method. They go into it in quite some detail, but they do mention that the Leydig cells and cells in the semi-ferrous ducts in the testes, which they checked out, their findings indicate the virus may directly bind to AC2 positive cells and inflict damage to patients' kidney and testicular tissue. And they warned that it can lead to infertility in males. Isn't, isn't that, if you want to make a lucky bag of all, all your wishes, if you were uh, a power that had all these plans for depopulation, uh, altering uh, what, you, what you put down recently as your enemies, which you built up in the first place. And then, of course, the one in North Korea that they've always kept on standby to wave their swords at. And it's just a bulldog for China. North Korea, that's what it is, this guard dog. It's a pawn. It's a pawn. It's a front for China itself in case they were invaded in that, from that direction. So they get hit big time. And then Iran gets so, uh, you couldn't, it, what's next? Who else is on the wish list? <laughs> I really think about it, right? And then you get all the different changes at home as well. But I'll put all these links up, including the professor uh, from Harvard, who is a specialist in his field, 
talking to students about should they be creating these uh, potential pandemic uh, diseases, making new ones in the laboratory, which is commonplace with them. That's what they do, folks. There's a management system in this world way above what you perceive to be government. Those who are placed in government above you have inklings of it and, and enough savvy to know to obey it. And they'll never tell you that. They must play their parts because they're all like little petty actors, really. Anthony Sutton used to talk about Wall Street helping to create the, the Bolshevik Revolution. That was one of the titles of one of his books. And who financed Hitler up at the top too? And the greatest enemies money can buy. We make we pay for them, and then then they're going to be your enemy. Are you really falling for this, folks? There's a power on this earth that really people don't want to talk about because they want to believe. Oh, it's it's frightening for a lot of people who are trained to be naive and decent people. Decent, you see, decent people who don't want to think bad things about people. They're perfect for for rulership over them, you know, being ruled, because they're they're being brought up to be that way. But there, there really is an organization that runs the world. Every every enemy you've had for the last hundred odd years is is more, and probably before that too. But in the last hundred years, has been more obvious for those who want to really look at it. Was created by the by the the ones who are going to end up fighting them. You create them, you build them up, you arm them even, and, and then you say, oh my God, look, you even give all your trade to them and factories to them until you, you can't make anything for yourself. And then you just suddenly notice when there's a crisis, how are we going to survive without them? Like you just suddenly, there's not a move made on the chessboard before it's all thought through, every facet of change with think tanks working on every possible scenario of what if, what would happen if, if, if. There's no spontaneous anything in this at all. That's how you keep control of the world. And the same ones who control the world, I mean, quite plain, like Prince Philip, there's too many of you, too many of you. And then the world meeting on depopulation or overpopulation, and during World War II they had in London, King George was supposed to preside over it. They weren't killing enough people off in the war. What were they going to do to bring down the population after the war was finished? This wasn't talking about Africa here, their favourite topic, Africa or somewhere else. This was about Britain <laughs> and Australia eventually, and all the other colonies, as they like to call it then, or dominions. A completely different system than the one you're taught to believe in. Completely different, folks. But Prince Philip has been so obvious about it. So when you hear people prattling on about deliberately setting free bio-warfare, no, they don't call them paranoid and stupid and all the rest of it. Because I've done shows on the stuff which were, was done on Britain and all the different releases of agents on the British populace by their governments. I did it years ago, step by step. It's a cutting through Remember Remember two folks... Help me out by sending some cash my way once in a while. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com And you can go into all the other sites I have on that main site there uh, and find out how to send cash my way because, as I say, I, I never, I always forget to ask for it. I'm not selling you stuff. I'm not selling you t-shirts or, or elixirs of life that will make you youthful or keep you alive forever. <clears throat> and um, I just try to give you uh, advice and some education as well to, to, to life as it really is. 
and to fill in some of the gaps sometimes. Now I'll just touch on a few things before I get off here, because again, I I never really talk about what I was even thinking of talking about because I prefer to have a free mind in, in its way of thinking and conveying things to people because it's so important that you have the time to listen. Everything's bits and bites, and people come on and they'll do their half hour here or whatever there and so on. And I try to, to stay off the emotional side. I don't go into the political side. It's a waste of time. As I say, if voting worked for the people, it would be made illegal long ago. This world they're bringing in and rationing and austerity that I've talked about so many times before, they've signed on to the United Nations. This is the second part of 9-11 we're going through now. That's what it is. And it'll never be the same again afterwards. They'll never give up powers of even more intrusive uh, intrusiveness into, your, into the system and mandatory medications that come down the pike too. No doubt about that whatsoever. This article is a video, the lockstep simulation scenario, a coronavirus-like pandemic that becomes trigger for police state controls. And uh, that's put up by Global Research. And they themselves are, I think, are quite openly Marxist. And so I, I look at everything and I, I you know, but not, not all, all stuff is slanted. There's always bits and pieces of evidence in anybody's articles, if you really, if they're worth anything at all. But it says here, by now, those following the novel uh, coronavirus epidemic are familiar with Event 201, the pandemic simulation staged by John Hopkins University in conjunction with the World Economic Forum the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Johnson & Johnson, and other ruling class heavy hitters in October, I guess last October. The media establishment had already picked the story clean, set up and eviscerated a straw man, such as no Bill Gates didn't cause the coronavirus epidemic, silly conspiracy theorists, and convinced the group itself to issue a statement uh, denying their exercise on this, this planned exercise, a computer exercise, uh, was meant to predict the behavior of the actual virus to follow. But if you're aware that the epidemic playing out in China and two dozen other countries, including the U.S., is unfolding in line with a decade-old simulation titled Lockstep, Lockstep, devised by the Rockefeller Foundation in conjunction with the Global Business Network. Scenario 1 of of 4 included in a publication called Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development in 2010 describes a coronavirus-like pandemic that becomes the trigger for the imposition of police state controls on movement, economy and other areas of society. This describes a world of tighter, top-down government control and more authoritarian leadership. Remember what the Club of Rome said, democracy doesn't work, they can't get things done, they need the professionals to be in charge who can just order and the people obey. That's, that's really what it's about. And here's a chance, eh? You know, these guys at the top, like the New American Century group, the Project for New American Century, who in the 90s published you know, their, their agenda, of countries to be, they'd like to be eliminated and altered and changed. And then they got 9-11. I mean, these guys, if they ran, the, if they were to buy a lotto ticket, they'd win, obviously. Every time, they'd win. And the same with the ones that did this one here, that lockstep. Hmm? They, 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 they just seem to know. Maybe they've got bet. Maybe they don't use tea bags. Maybe they use the loose tea and then read the tea leaves once they're finished in the bottom of the cup. 
and predict the future because they're all incredibly lucky. This particular article isn't too bad, you know. Currents of Africa, Southeast Asia and Central America and the simulation suffered the worst in the absence of official containment protocols. It's, it's quite good. Police state is good and freedom is bad. That's the message, of course, we're all true. And another one, too, is quite interesting. It's um, novel antibody may suppress HIV for up to four months. They've tried everything in experimental uh, tests over in China as well. But this one isn't from there. It's, from, it's an open-label study, it's called. They give regular infusions of antibody that blocks HIV uh, binding site on human immune cells, and it may have suppressed levels of HIV for up to four months in people undergoing a short-term pause in their antiretroviral therapy regimens, according to a report published online today. What's interesting is that they're trying to use different um, anti-AIDS medications as well to slow down or limit the, 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 the bad effects of this coronavirus. Also put up this one too. Canada prepares a pandemic response plan as coronavirus cases continue to climb. I wonder why they're climbing. And uh, the chief public health officer is called Teresa Tam, says trajectory of the COVID-19 is still unknown and all that. But they don't tell you much. Uh, really, it's very. Uh, it's, I think they censor things so into such simplest, simplistic thinking, and, and, and uh, uh, that you, you lose any message at all. I think it's part of the, the way the bureaucrats speak to the public, you know, in socialist type countries. And in socialism, I can use with a very loose kind of cover because it's. It's, it's very authoritarian. It's, it's actually, they call it progressive. It's the, the ones who rule the world like that term. Also, Chinese authorities cover streets in clouds of disinfectant to halt the spread of deadly coronavirus. Uh, it's interesting because there's a movie that was made in Canada, I think, called uh, Containment 2015. I looked up to see if it's on YouTube, and I think it's on YouTube for free, maybe, at the moment. I don't know how long it'll be after you speak about it here, or I speak about it. As the residents of an apartment block wake up to discover they are sealed inside the building, they weld the doors shut, just like did in China, by the way. They must work together to find out why before they start to turn on one another. And in the movie, they, they show you these foggers of disinfectant in the streets and in the buildings and all that, and hazmat suits, etc., including shooting people who leave quarantined areas, which is NATO, by the way, NATO... Uh, countries have signed their agenda. If, if whole groups try to leave quarantined areas, it's the law there, whether it's radiation or uh, infection. Then they have to use nerve gas on those from above if they're trying to escape. And uh, any individuals doing it is simply shoot. That's even in the movie. But then there was, so they were following the NATO plan, actually, which is the law. All NATO countries have signed on to that long ago. And how you're told to just stay in your buildings and obey and, and, and always telling you it's all going to be all right, even if they're going to, they might even <laughs> bump you off. <laughs> Don't worry. What else do you expect from politicians? Eh? This is interesting. Coronavirus could be 1,000 times more infectious than SARS. The scientists warn us discover it plagues the body the same way as HIV and Ebola. This is what's so interesting about this particular type, you see. If it was a matter of luck putting something together in nature to make it really, really efficient, an efficient 
spreader of the, you know, it's a disease, very fast, and able to trick the body and fool the body to allow the body to, 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 to be invaded. This is something I don't really think happens that easily in nature myself. So that's my opinion. So they claim antibiotics already on the market could treat coronavirus. I don't know what they're talking about antibiotics there. It won't be uh, penicillin types because they're no use against viruses. But they should have said antiviral drugs, I suppose. This article here says that the coronavirus could be up to a thousand times more infectious. So it spreads much faster and can contaminate more people so more quickly than SARS, a thousand times more infectious, because it plagues the body in the same way the HIV and Ebola does, scientists warn. They presume the spread of it uh, would follow the same trajectory as SARS outbreak in 2002-03 because the viruses are almost identical genetically, but they have discovered the way it binds to cells in the human body is akin to far more aggressive diseases. It says here that uh, the Centers of Disease Control Prevention and the World Health Organizations have warned that antibiotics do not work against the viruses, if that's true, and that overprescribing and overusing them helps to fuel superbugs. Well, I'm not quite up to one with that one because... They've been telling people to use less, uh, and doctors have been screaming fewer and fewer antibiotics, I mean, for bacterium infections, bacterial infections, as you well know. But um, it says ACE2, AC2, ACE is actually 2, doesn't exist in large quantities in healthy people. This is the receptor, receptors that you have, which helps uh, limit the spread of the 2002 outbreak. Uh, Nanka, and this is awfully good when you've, I've got a, a, from the, the, the China site actually. Nanka University researchers looked at the genome sequence of COVID 19 and found a section of mutated genes that did not exist in SARS. Instead, the coronavirus has cleavage sites similar to those in HIV and Ebola. This is awfully important because even in biowarfare, I was reading a while, a long time ago that uh, this is something that was being worked on in some of some laboratories a long time ago, which carry viral proteins that are dormant, okay? So these cleavage sites, similar to those in HIV and Ebola on the virus, which carry viral proteins that are dormant and have to be cut, they call it, to be activated. HIV and Ebola target an enzyme called furin, which is responsible for cutting and activating these proteins when they enter the body. The viruses trick furin, so it activates them and causes a direct fusion between the virus and the human cells. COVID-19 binds to cells in a similar way, the scientists found. So it tricks your own cells and um, the target enzyme called furin. And the furin itself that you have well, it will then help cut and activate the proteins on the virus, which allows them to enter the body. Isn't that amazing? Uh, aye, great minds at work, eh? And this finding suggests the new coronavirus may be significantly different from the SARS coronavirus in the infection pathway, the scientists said in the paper. So by this, by this way of entry and this binding method is therefore 100 to 1,000 times as efficient and it for spread. I mean, this is designed to spread rapidly and infect an awful lot of people. And don't forget, um, and this study was published, it says, on ChinaVix.org, a platform used by the Chinese Academy of Sciences 
to release scientific papers before they have been peer-reviewed. So it's, uh, it's pretty well worked out now pretty, pretty well. They couldn't find this mutation, by the way, in SARS, and, or the, the MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or the BAT-CoVRATG13, a bat coronavirus that was considered the original source of COVID-19. They can't find that mutation in, that, in anything from the bats, by the way. I wonder how it got there, eh? Hmm. So anyway, that's what we're living through. And a lot of people that are in authority and have been harping on with from their institutions about the, the terrible overpopulation of the world and useless eaters like Bertrand Russell and so on. All the descendants of Russell and his kin are all rubbing their hands in glee at such an, a, a chance to get things done. Don't forget, again, in the last climate uh, meeting that they had, they talked about they might eventually need to, maybe quite soon, the authority to limit population or who breeds. That was an old, old thing going all the way back to the, to the days of Malthus, of course, Thomas Malthus. They never change. And now, of course, with this coming along the pike and maybe rationing coming in, and who knows how long they're going to drag it on. You'll see a lot of things changing for, for the agenda's sake, put that way. It's been on the papers for an awful long time. We're essentially programmed. Predictive programming is used all the time, bit by bit, to get us used to everything that's eventually going to be done to us <laughs> by authorities and by those who guide and predict and plan and guide the direction of the world. Anyway, from myself, Alan Watt, from Ontario, Canada, we're still awfully cold, by the way, and... It's nice at night, mind you, you walk out night in the middle of the night there. You don't see all the stars anymore since 2005 or six. because the heavy, heavy spring. The global dimming, as NASA likes to call it, you see the brighter stars. But when you walk out at night in the country and look over that snow, it's a timeless feeling. You, you truly are. It's a timeless feeling. You're in a timeless moment that many have shared maybe for thousands of years before you. It's, quite an, it's really something to hold on to. This makes life worth living. The occasional fox, like last year, would come up and get fed. <laughs> it was so cold, he had had enough, you know. I hope you're all safe and stay safe. Use basic precautions regardless, but uh, don't uh, just give up and collapse over by, by terror. Because governments thrive on terror, that's what authority thrives on. As I say, from the days of Kitchener, remember, when you can't make the people love and obey you and serve you, then you terrify them. Nothing ever changes. Have a few friends, hopefully, and you all depend on each other. And when we, just like the movie, that containment movie, I'll put a link up tonight. Don't turn on each other through stress and any kind of hardship. But that could, who knows? Come along. It might, it might, it might just fizzle out. Who knows what really is going to happen, or might be planned. Put it that way. And many people too are just hoping that a second type doesn't suddenly by its magically appear and they'll say that it's it's um, evolved you know to become even more virulent and dangerous let's hope not let's just hope for the best take care of each other a few friends can help you along the way for myself as I say I'm walking to your Canada it's good night to me your God or your God's go with you mm-hmm.